0: and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Noosa Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. Thanks, Josh. Thank you. God bless you all. You can be seated. <laughs> great to be with you. And uh, 1987, we started here. All uh, right, just so you know, 1987, the church started and uh, bought this block of land and uh, put an old building on it and grew and it grew. And it's uh, just so good to see you all. And uh, let's give it up for your great pastors. You know, like you've got a great leadership team here. Well done to you all. Uh, awesome, awesome, awesome. Ah, look, I want to encourage you, you know, when we, uh, when we planted uh, the church back in 1987, uh, its goal was never just to survive. Its its reason to be here is not just to be here; it's to make a difference. It's to change lives. It's to bring healing and salvation and hope to every generation that we can touch. and uh, And I pray that you don't lose that sense uh, lose that sense of purpose and mission here. That it's great to fellowship together and loving God. And uh, but really, we're about changing the world. And uh, if we'd all do our part, the world would be a lot better off. So I want to probably stir you up a little bit and encourage you to keep going on, keep moving forward in the things of God, and be. A light and be salt in the house that you're a part of. Um, I did bring some things with me. Um, our latest uh, album, Wildfire, is still available. We record our new one next week, uh, so get ready for that. It's called Into the Deep, uh, and uh, it's going to be an outstanding album. So, but if you want to grab uh, Wildfire, I've brought it with me up there at the back there. And also, wrote a book. It's taken me 30 years to write a book, uh, but we finally did it. And um, and uh, I've I, I, I put together a bunch of things that I saw that stop people moving forward in their walk with God. Um, and I started to look at oh, maybe some ideas of how we could bring some cures to that. So uh, I titled the book, uh, The Cure to Spiritually Transmitted Diseases, all right? And uh, uh, the reason being is that they're contagious and dangerous, all right? Uh, so uh, be careful who you sit next to in church. Um, uh, so who we hang with is important. Uh, how we think is important. And uh, it's a great book on dealing with things that will stop you moving to the new place, to the next place God has or wants for your life. So grab that on the way out. Uh, so don't leave church without your STDs, okay? Um, on the way out, grab that. Spiritually Transmitted Diseases, The Cure too. And it will be a great blessing to your life. And I know it's not for you, so buy it for somebody else, all right, and uh, and help them on their journey. Great to see so many familiar faces and uh, people that I know from way back when we started the day, and uh, people that are still here, and uh, lots of new people as well. So uh, it's real honor to be back with you, and I pray today that I will uh, help you, help you in your vision and your mission uh, to see... Uh, the kingdom of God touch you. I don't know about you, but I, I look at the news. I look at the days we live in, uh, the uncertainty, whether it be wars and rumors of wars or the, uh, whether it be uh, dilemmas in our climate change or whatever. I just know this is the greatest time for the church to stand up. Uh, there's such a, a time of uncertainty. People are looking for answers. They're looking for hope. And the good news, we have both those things, and his name is Jesus Christ. And, uh, and if we can bring that to the table of our life, uh, then we can bring hope and salvation to the people around us. Uh, so this morning, I want to share with you a word uh, that I've called uh, the normal Christian life or normal Christian living, all right? What I perceive to be as normal. Um, let me start by saying this, that uh, normal Christian living is not average Christian living. That's not normal Christian living. Uh, just, just doing enough to scrape into the, uh, the place of heaven, to get over the line and I'm saved, hallelujah, is not normal Christian living. Average is subnormal in the kingdom of God. Church once in a while, prayer only when hell breaks loose and you need Jesus again. The Bible, well, it's there somewhere. Well, I read it, I listen to Josh preach and just do enough things to make it through. As far as God is concerned, uh, normal Christian living is dedicated, devoted on fire Christianity. That's normal Christian living, all right? Uh, It's not just that apathetic, mediocre type brand. Uh, You know, it's funny. And uh, even in uh, the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, I want you to see this. I'm to just explain it for a minute. And it it says, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you. I don't know what's on your bucket list, but making God vomit's not on mine, all right? That's not on my bucket list to be immersed in a person that makes God vomit. And he says, if you're cold, at least I understand. You don't know me. I, uh, you're hot. Well, really, that means you do know me. You're understanding. You're close to me. You're drawn close. But if you're neither cold nor hot, he says, I don't understand. To taste and see and, and, and be around me and not be hot um, is being lukewarm, And it makes God want to vomit. So there's a real key in here that we don't get into average, mediocre Christian living, that we see what normal Christian living is on fire Christian living, all right? Uh, And you're in, (laughs) or you're not. Uh, And uh, I I just want to make, does anybody like oysters? Now, you know if you're an oyster eater uh, that they're nice cooked, they're hot. You know oysters are nice if they're cold but you know you're not going to put a lukewarm oyster in your mouth because it's going to make you... And that's what we don't want to be with God, is that lukewarm person, all right? Uh, So in the kingdom of God, it's normal to be great, not average. Be hot, not lukewarm. So if your Christianity is to be anything, it has to be everything. If your Christianity is to be anything, it has to be everything. It's going to be the center of your world. Uh, everything else is to revolve around that. If you put Jesus as the center, he's like the sun, and he brings warmth and hope and life to all the parts of our lives, our family, our business, our, all the things that, 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 are, that go around us. If we put him close, he keeps them strong. So in the kingdom, great is normal, all right? His name is El Shaddai, not El Cheapo. He's not not the God of limited. He's the God of unlimited. He's not the God of less. He's the God of abundant. He's not the God of possible. He's the God of impossible. And uh, the church as we know it uh, started on this very foundation, on that concept of not just average Christianity, uh, but on fire, dedicated, devoted Christianity. And to see God's kingdom expand in our generation, uh, we must not retreat into average or mediocrity. Rather, we must push the limits of our believing into the realm of God's believing. You know what? When we built this uh, church here, it was for the glory of God that Noosa would find Jesus Christ as 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 a living reality in their in their lives. And you know what? Today. I don't want us to slide back from that a little bit. I want us to gather up again the plan of God that when we started this, that we can be salt and light in the place that we live in. And if we, if we all do our bit, if we all get on fire and love Jesus as the center of who we are, then people can't help. You know, people come and watch you burn if you're on fire. You know, you know if you're filled because you're spilling onto somebody. You know, you know you, you, if you're not spilling over, you know, you, 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 the goodness of God, the things of God, if you're not spilling over, that means you're not filled. I remember uh, when uh, there was a sizzler around. Does sizzler still happen on the Sunshine Coast? Anyway, there was a restaurant. One of the big things about sizzle my kids loved was that you could get your own ice cream because they had one of those machines, you know. And I remember Mitchell, he'd get that machine and you'd put a little bit of ice cream in and you'd just put a few things on and take it back. Man, he, 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 would, he would fill it so it was so far above the realm of the cup, all right, and then put Mars, whatever it was, and, and, and it never made it back to the table without spilling on somebody. Whose kid is this? Well, I've never seen him. Um, I don't know who he is. Uh, but the point is, if you're not spilling, you're not full. And uh, therefore, if we're not spilling with joy and, and abundance of who he is in us, then we've got to, again, refill ourselves. We've got to put him in the center of who we are. And, uh, and it started back in the book of Acts. And I want us to read just the book of Acts, uh, just chapter 2, verse 41 through 47, because this is the foundation of the plan of God for the church. And it's not changed. Style has changed. Music has changed. Things change on the, on the periphery, but the foundation was always and will always be the same. Let's see how the church started. Book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 41. Then those who gladly received his word were Baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together. They had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among them as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, Praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So, right there, we get a, a very quick snapshot of the power of the early church and the principles it was built on to help us be. Notice that that passage of Scripture resounds of activity, involvement, being connected, serving, loving, caring, power, salvation, and there's nothing lukewarm in that passage of Scripture. There's nothing average in it. It's about the kingdom of God advancing into that generation and beyond. Uh, so I want to look at a couple of things that, that I read in there to help us again see how we can be a part of what God wants to do on the earth today. The first thing, as I notice is they loved God. They loved God. Not like you love ice cream. Not, lo- not like, you, uh, uh, like uh, your favorite hamburger, but they loved God. In other words, they adored and they worshipped Him. They were... In touch with him, they were abiding in him. They said they were steadfast in the word and in prayer. And they realized that their relationship with God was critical in them being all that God wanted them to be. In other words, can I tell you this morning that you will never never know God any more than you know his word? See, that, that book that you hold in your hands was not meant to stay on the pages of a book. It was supposed to be written on the tablets of a human heart. You need, to, you need to not just know the Word of God. You need to ingest the Word of God. You'll never know God any more than you know His Word. You'll never, you'll never love God any more than you spend in His presence. And the power of our, our, our working, of our relationship with God is the amount of time we spend reading the Word, getting it into our hearts, all right, uh, and standing and adoring Him and being in, presence, in His presence in prayer and in worship. Greatness comes from loving and adoring God and worshiping God. They loved God. And that's how you stay hot. That's how you stay filled, is that you keep abiding in the one that saved you. You keep loving on him. If you've lost your first love, find it again. Pick that book back up. Start to find out who he is again. Find out who you are in him and start to get filled with the things of God. Be assured what you and I have are the answers people need. This, this Jesus is, uh, is the answer to humanity's fault. It doesn't matter what problem you look at. It doesn't matter if it's climate change. You know, it does, every problem that mankind faces is dealt with in the cross of Calvary. Everything that is everything needed to change humanity for good is to do with the heart, and it starts at the cross of Calvary. We need to keep passionate about God. Understand that you might know a whole lot, but I'll tell you what, passion is the great persuader, not information. Remember the crocodile hunter? I mean, I mean, he wasn't famous because he was a scientific genius. He wasn't famous because he knew his knowledge of workplace health and safety. Uh, he, he was just passion. He was just straight passion. You listen to him. He talked about a bug you would have stood on a minute ago and enjoyed the pop. And now you're loving the bug. You had a bumper sticker, save the bug. Passion is the great persuader. And it's our passion for God that will help persuade the people around us to how good he really is. Greatness comes from loving God. Uh, the second thing I, I notice here in, uh, in the book of Acts is they were connected to each other. All right, uh, All for one. <laughs> one for all. They were, they were tight. You know? they, it says they were in the temple, church, together. And then they were each other's houses. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. And uh, there was a sense of community that was strong in the early church that enabled them to withstand all the pressures of the day. And I want to tell you this morning, there is great strength in together. It is, (laughs) we are the church, not the believer. It wasn't the disciple, it was the disciples. It's Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. It's our together uh, that makes us strong. So we need to make sure we're connected to one another. And that there is great strength. I remember um, a number of years ago, we were fishing up at Fraser Island uh, for Taylor. And uh, we'd walk out into a bit of a sandbank. And, uh, and uh, we were fishing, catching a bunch of fish. And, and of course, if you're a tailor fisherman, you know you cut their throats, you throw them in a bag, in your sack. Uh, what we didn't realize was the water was coming up behind us, the tide was coming in. So our bags were starting to float, so it was a lot of blood starting to on the water now like this. So anyway, and, and, and we thought, gee, and there's was about 12 or 15 guys. I didn't know a lot of them. And uh, we all sort of thought, gee, we need to get back to the shore. It's getting a bit deep out here. Uh, and just as we had that, that moment of we need to move, we saw this huge fin. And, and this big shark came in and, uh, and it started to circle us like this. I want to tell you, you've never seen a group of guys get so close. <laughs> there was no homophobic problems. There was nothing. This was male bonding. Why? Because we knew the safest position was in the middle of that group. And we were fighting for pole position to survive. And that group got smaller and smaller and smaller like that. And as one tight group, we marched our way to shoreline and lived. There is strength in together. There is strength in together. We need to make sure that that we're connected. And not just on on a Sunday, though, we know know we're not going to be friends with everybody. um, But uh, you need to make friends, all right? Uh, uh, I've heard people say, oh, I can't find any friends in this church. And I I go, really, you can't find any friends? Have you looked under the seats? That's where we keep them. (laughs) It's like people have this notion that they're going to walk into church and, oh, look, I found a friend. You don't find friends, you make friends. It's a big difference between trying to find a friend and making friends. But the point is you need to be connected. It's a strength of the church right throughout history, all right? Uh, and it's more than talking about, bless your brother. They actually met each other's needs. They actually, when, when something was going wrong, they said, man, I'm going to sell something and help you out. There was a very strong sense of community in that that's very powerful. Jesus said, that you, they will know you are my disciples for the love you have for one another. The greatest outreach program we have is to love one another. This is they, the world, the unchurched people. They're going to know that you're mine because of the love we have or the care we take of one another. Very powerful things when you understand that being planted. And, 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 and that's what, church is not just a Sunday event. Church is the way we do life. It's our community, it's our family of believers, it's who we hang with. And it's really interesting that until you've been on the, uh, the tail end of something, you don't realize how powerful it is to be in community. Um, when I was going through uh, treatment for throat and lung cancer in 2012, um, I would sit in a waiting room with a bunch of people. And, uh, and, I, and I would look at them, they're all going through similar sorts of problems. And, uh, and, and I'm thinking, um, well, I, I've got churches all around the world praying for me. I mean, there hundreds of thousands of people. I, I've got people driving me here, picking me up, people making me food, people looking after me. And I was speaking to some of these people, and you know what? Some of them, they were going home to an empty house. And they caught the train there, and the train home, and no one was there to look after them. And until you, see, it's all right when you're the, the winner, then you just sort of take it for granted. But when you're on the other side, you realize how powerful community really is and how much the church plays a role in keeping us strong and connected. And uh, they will know us by the love we have for one another. So make sure we don't take for granted what we're a part of. All right? Don't, don't, don't take it as, well, it's just the church, or it's Joshua's church, or it's that church. No, it's your church. This is my church. All right? That's the strength of being connected. This is the book of Acts, where the gospel started from, and it changed the world, uh, and it never stopped uh, the whole time. The third thing I notice here is they had servants' hearts. All right, they had the heart of a servant. And uh, they, it says they were together in one accord. Uh, they had a, in, in today's language, it's, it's a whatever it takes attitude. That's what together in one accord means. It's whatever it takes. What is the end? We're in this thing. They had all things in common. Uh, they were committed to the vision, the plan of God. What can I do to make a difference? How? How can I bring my time, uh, my gifts and talents? What what treasure can I give to our work, the plan of God in my generation? And uh, I want to tell you that the Bible speaks very clearly. When we get to heaven, it says, well done, good and faithful servant. Understand, everywhere you read in the Bible the word faithful, it actually means fruitful. All right? So when it gets there, what you're really saying is, well done, good and fruitful servant. Uh, I know that because of the story of the parables. And uh, the guy that had five got five more. Well done, good and faithful servant. The guy got two talents. He went out and invested and got two more. Well done, good and faithful servant. The guy that had one, he didn't do anything with it. He hid it. And he brought it back. He didn't break it, didn't lose it, didn't even steal it. And yet the king said, you are a wicked and lazy servant. All right? Not good and faithful. And the only difference between him and the other ones is the other ones were fruitful. So... The difference with God is not that we just turn up, it's that we're fruitful, all right? Uh, well and done, good, and faithful servant. It's not that you turn up for the rest. No, it's you're fruitful in your lives. And, uh, and so, well done, good. And so, we need to be fruitful with our, with our gifts, our time, our talent. And, uh, and that's an important part of what God wants to do in us and then through us. Uh, in serving, uh, you know, the question should never be, well, what do I get? Wrong question, all right? It's never about getting something in the kingdom of God. It's always about becoming something. So when you, when you serve, you're becoming something. When you serve, you learn some things. I look at what our church puts on in Brisbane, and honestly, uh, what teenagers, uh, our biggest budget item in our church is our youth camp. So I've got a bunch of teenagers running my biggest budget item. Over $150,000 they have to look after. All right, and I look at what they put on and what they do, and, and, and all and what, what's happening is in their serving, they're not getting, they're becoming, they're learning skills that will suit them for the rest of their lives. They'll be the best employees for people, they, they'll be people that know how to put on productions, put up tents. I mean, they can do it all, Let's do a circus, you know. Uh, so, uh, what I'm saying is the wrong question. Don't, don't think, Although well, if I get involved, what, what do I get? Wrong question, it's who will I become, and when you become. What you need is attracted to you. When you become, don't chase things. Don't chase money. Get good at what you do and money will come to you. All right? It's like like I tell the young guys in my church, don't chase the girls. (laughs) Have a shower. And they'll be attracted to you. All right? It's not about chasing. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things shall be added or attracted to you we're not trying to chase the world into the kingdom of God. We're supposed to be living this life that attracts them to the kingdom of God. Because we're on fire. We're passionate. We're excited. We love each other. We care about them. And that place attracts them. It's not about chasing anything. And in serving, you are becoming. It's funny to me that some people uh, try and serve their way out of serving. Like it's a starting point. Yeah, I'll do that for a while, I'll serve. uh, But can I tell you, as far as I can tell from the Bible, uh, Jesus said, if you want to be great, become a servant. The highest level of ministry in the Bible is servanthood. Not, Not worship leader, not senior pastor, but servanthood. Well done, good and faithful servant. It's not serving your way out of serving so you become somebody great. Even as my role as the senior pastor of our church, I I see that as a job description, not a position of title or honor. In other words, how I serve my church is to lead my church. That's the gift of my life. It's not because I'm somebody. That's the gift God's put on my life, and it's about serving the people that now come. So if you see serving from the right angle, you realize that is the greatest thing to do. To be a servant in the house, there's no greater thing. It's to serve the things of God, the kingdom of God. And uh, it's well done, good and faithful serving. And they had favor with all the people. Uh, You know what? Even in the people in your community, you have favor with because they feel like the church is serving them. And if they have a heart that your heart is for this community, then you will have favor with all the people. And they mightn't, they mightn't care what goes on here on a Sunday morning, but they're looking at this church going, at least it brings hope and life into the community that we live in. And they had faith with all the people. You serve them, you bless them. You become your community's answers. One of the things I ask pastors all the time is, if uh, this church wasn't here, would anybody know? Does, does, is it here to survive or is it here to make a difference? We're not here to survive. The church is not here to survive. We're, we're, we're here to make a difference. That's the reason we're here. We're not trying to leave the planet. People are confused. They've got a, a sword in one hand, a suitcase in the other. Some waiting and praying for the rapture. To them, but to fight or fly. We're not here to fly. We're here to fight. And if the rapture happens when we're on, in the battlefield, we'll praise God. But that's not the reason we're here. You weren't called to die for Jesus. You were called to live for Jesus. That's the difference, to bring life to the places we are. And if we're a servant, we're bringing life with the heart of a servant. You become the answer. You make wrong things right. You help the poor and the hurting. And no, we can't do everything, but we can do something, and that's something we must do. Normal Christianity is being a servant. Normal Christianity. The heart of a servant is what makes an incredible difference. I have whatever it takes attitude. Josh, you go to Josh, what can I do? I mean, I'll do whatever it takes. That's the sort of attitude we need in the church, to serve. And now we can't do everything, but we can do something. And you've all got different gifts and talents and abilities. And, and, uh, and if you bring those things to the table, then together we can make a difference. Together we can change our generation. Uh, the fourth thing I, uh, that I see in this passage of Scripture is they engaged their world and they discipled others. Uh, It says, for daily, those were being saved and were added to the church. Sounds like to me, people were reaching out to the people with the gospel. Decisions for Jesus were being made. And uh, I think it's interesting that Jesus actually didn't say, go and make decisions of all nations. I want you to hear that. He never said, go and make decisions for all nations. He said, go and make disciples. And the reason being is a decision gets you to heaven, a disciple helps somebody else get to heaven. So when he spoke it out, sure, it starts with a decision, but he didn't say, go and make decisions. He said, go and make disciples. And as we make disciples, then they will help others reach Jesus as well. And the truth is, we're all called to bring his kingdom. from. He he said, pray like this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. The job of the church is to bring heaven to earth. And the more of heaven we bring to earth, the more of earth we're going to see go to heaven. And that comes through discipleship. It becomes through engaging people. It's us reaching past uh, ourselves, uh, saved and added, discipled and sent out. Um, And engaging is not hard. You know, um, I'd like us to get a really clear picture of your responsibility is not to get people saved. I want you to hear that. Your responsibility is to engage the people around you that they may know of God. We're not trying to plant trees We're trying to plant seeds that grows into trees. Take the responsibility off you. If you talk to somebody about Jesus and and they don't get saved, it's okay. Our responsibility is not to get people saved. It's just to love God and be excited about who He is. And if you do that, your, your love will get to... And see, we're not trying to ripen the harvest. Our job is to find ripe harvest. And the only way you can find ripe harvest is to engage somebody. The only way the Holy Spirit can work through me is if I reach out into somebody's life. You know, I was on a plane coming back from Sydney, and um, I was sitting next to a lady, and uh, she was uh, a, a jeweler on the Gold Coast. She had a jewelry store, and we started talking. And, and of course, what happens eventually? Somebody asked me what I do for a job, and I, I just got, I've got to come up with another line because uh, it closes conversation down too many times. And the pastor, you're a like, what? You know, like and uh, and uh, she anyway. This one was not close. She got angry at me. I'm like angry? What? Well, And then then I said, "What's the matter?" So my son just become one of you born again Christians, and I'm angry. The whole thing, she's going off about her son and the whole thing. Anyway, so by the end of the uh, plane trip, at least I'd settled her down, and she realised it wasn't a cult, and maybe not a bad thing. So we actually left friends. Now I never saw that woman again in my life. Uh, But what did happen is a few months later, a friend of mine who's a pastor in New Zealand. Uh, was on the Gold Coast with his wife having a holiday and they were in a jewellery store. All right, And I get a phone call from this jewellery store and uh, from Peter and he says, he says, Mark, do you know a good church on the Gold Coast? Uh, uh, this lady who owns a jewellery store just got saved. And I said, really? And I said, I said, Peter, a few months ago, I was on a plane with a lady that owned a jewellery store and he goes, oh, you're that guy. You see, my job is not to get people saved. It's just to tell them about Jesus. Take the pressure off yourself. You know, invite people to church. If they don't come, it's okay. It's not our job. But unless you make contact with other people, there's no place for the Holy Spirit to touch their lives. Another time I was, um, I was in church and... Uh, uh, I was in the front row here like that. And uh, I sort of know mostly the people who sit in the second row. This tend to be the same. We all sit in the same sort of spots, don't we? And, uh, and uh, I sort of know. And I looked around and worshipped. There was two young girls there that I'd never seen before. I thought, wow, that's really strange. I wonder who they are. And in that moment, we say, greet people. So I turned around and said, hello. And, and uh, they said, hi. And, and I said, what are you doing here? I said, oh, um, uh, well, well is, this a, is this show on every week? Um, They'd never been to church in their lives, and I said, "Yeah, it's on every week. It's just we can't believe our luck to get seats this close to the front." <laughs> so some of you sit at the back. Anyway, the point being. The point being is they were so excited, and, and I said, how did you get here? What happened? He said, well, we're on a train uh, coming home, uh, and this young guy from the church, he was so excited about the church and Jesus and the whole thing, and I said, um, what's his name? And he said, well, we don't know. Uh, did you meet him here? No, we don't. Said, you came all the way by yourself. See, our job is not to make the harvest ripe. Our job is to tell people, and when the harvest is ripe, they will come. Our job's not to ripen, it's ours to find ripen. And the only way we can find is by reaching out, isn't it? It's the only one we know. And and so, so this guy, you don't know his name, you don't know if he's here, you've never seen him again, you're here, the second row, in church for the very first time in your lives. You don't know who you're talking to when you reach out. You don't know how ripe that harvest is. Obviously, the Holy Ghost was doing something in their lives before that person reached out to them. And all of a sudden, now because he reached out and, and touched that. And you know what? I, I made a, a decision call uh, for people to find Jesus at the end of that meeting. And the first two hands that got up were those two girls right there. Because somebody just engaged their world, somebody just told them about Jesus. Engaging is not hard. Just get excited invite them the harvest is ripe pray it actually doesn't say pray for the harvest this is pray for laborers so jesus said pray for laborers man give me some people that will talk to some people and discipling's not hard as either uh he said go into the world and make disciples and he went on to say just tell them or teach them what i've taught you and all we've got to do in discipling people is just get around people and help them find their next step in jesus it's not being a scholar, it's not being a Bible college, it's just showing the way to other people, help the new ones get on their journey. Discipling is not hard, it's relationship, okay? And uh, so it's important that you and I, will, will if, we, if we're engaging our world and we're uh, discipling others, we're starting to build the church. So normal Christianity is seeing people saved and added to the church. That's not average. That's normal Christianity. Right. If we're not seeing that, we've got to say, are we reaching out to people? Are we full or hot? You know, <laughs> you, I, 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 when, you, when you walk past people's lives, what's the look on their face? Are they better off because you turned up? Or do they feel like they've been, look like they've been sucking lemons or stuck, somebody stuck them in the eye with a blunt stick? If you're not hot, if you're not full, then you're going to leave people in a worse position. But if you're on fire and you're loving Jesus... And understand, God's after fruit, not nuts. I'm not saying being crazy about this. Stand on streets, corners with placards, eternal burn. I'm not saying, you know. I'm talking about having the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. And they will know us by the fruit that we have. They will know us by our fruit. Be disciples. So loving Jesus. And I, I looked at the Scripture and they were loving God. Um, they were connected to each other. They had hearts of servants. They were engaging in, and discipling people. And, uh, and the results of that is what we read, where it actually said there were signs, wonders, and miracles. And today, if you're after a, a sign or a wonder or a miracle, just reach out to God right where you're seated. Would you close your eyes for a moment? Lord, I thank you right now for the blood of Jesus. By the stripes of his back, I speak healing in every situation. I speak life and not death. I speak good report and not bad. God, I pray right now for a release of the power of the Holy Spirit and the blood that overcomes. There is a name above every name. Above your sickness is a name called Jesus. That name is above every name you're facing right now. In good help, in Jesus' name, be healed. So there were signs and wonders and miracles. Uh, There was a happy, excited church. These people, man, you could tell they were loving what was going on, even amongst great persecution at the time. They were excited. They were full. They're a church of great influence in their community. They were feeding people. They were helping people, making an incredible difference. And people were being added to the church daily, saved, into the house of God. You know, to change and reach our generation, it will take devoted, dedicated disciples, people that are excited on mission, on cause. You know, honestly, the church... We've got to come out of the cupboard. Everybody else has. Everybody's come out of the cupboard. We're the only ones left in the cupboard. Got to come out of the cupboard. We hold life itself, we hold future and hope. We hold salvation and healing. It's not for us to keep, it's for us to release. And it's normal Christian living to live like that. Not to be crazy but to live it out in such a way that makes a place that we live in a better place. It's not time to be average. It's time to be great. This is our time. It's your time. I see some of the faces that were here when we started the church. (laughs) You're running out of time. (laughs) I'm running out of time. Getting closer. But the point is, it's not the day that we die, it's what we do while we're alive. That's what counts. It's the life we bring to the generation we live in. It's our time. It's not time for average. Success is not the end, failure is not fatal. It takes courage to continue to win the day in the day that we live in. Let's stand and be the church of this generation. Would you close your eyes? Bow your heads this morning. Lord, I thank you for every person here. God, I pray that my words have not just spoken to their head, but it's spoken to their heart. I look, Lord, and I I know you want us to be more excited, more on fire, not just for us, but for those who don't know you. God, I pray that we'd be stirred again to reach into into your word, to know you more, into your presence, to love you more. God, we'd be filled, therefore, with can't help but overflow on the lives around us. God, let us be the church in this day. For in the church lies Jesus, and Jesus is every answer. With eyes closed and heads bowed this morning, I, I certainly don't know everybody here. and uh, I do know this, that Jesus knows you. And, and uh, maybe you've never made a decision to live for him. Maybe you've been on that, the end of some stuff and your back slid and got away from God, but here you are back in the house today and you're feeling something in your heart starting to move you towards Jesus again. So it could be the very first time It could be just a recommitment. But the point is that it doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been, God's not mad at you. He's not angry at you. He thinks you're remarkable. His arms are outstretched, waiting for you to return, just like they were 2,000 years ago on a cross. All we've got to do is start to make that first step, that decision that says, you know what, I believe in my heart that He died, that He rose again from the dead. And the Bible declares that if we do that, He will reach into our hearts and save us. It starts. It's powerful. It will change your life now and eternity. It won't change some of your life. It will change all of your life. So this morning, right where you're seated, if that's you, I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to, I'd love to just pray and, and, and start this process in your heart that you'd reach out to Jesus. So if that's you in your heart this morning, right where you're seated, would you just slip your hand up and give me a wave and say, you know what? Include me in that prayer this morning. I want to recommit my life. I want, to, I want to do that for the very first time. Thank you at the back. That's a great decision. Others this morning, if that's you, just slip your hand up where you sit. Thank you, young man. That's a great decision right there. Others this morning, just right where you sit, just slip your hand up. Give me a wave. We're about to pray. Thank you at the back. Thank you at the front. One more time as I look this morning, we're going to pray. We're going to believe God right now that the greatest miracle known to mankind will happen, the miracle of being born again under the Spirit of God. Anybody else quickly? So look, left to right, front to back, looking. Thank you, sir. Great decision over there this morning. Others? So there's a look. So look. So look. Lord, I looked and I saw hands go up, but it's not what you saw. You saw hearts open up. And God, I know that Heaven's rejoicing right now for these ones. You, you declared that you'd forgive them of their sins, their failures, their mistakes. You'd, you wouldn't even remember them ever again. You'd cast them as far as the east is from the west. You would stretch your hand out to them and love them so much, you'd adopt them into, their, into your family. No longer would they be outsiders, but they'd be sons and daughters of the Most High God. God, you said you'd never leave them nor forsake them. God, you said you'd help them be all that they're meant to be now and through eternity. God, I pray blessing. And I know that heaven rejoices when even one responds to the call of God. So I know today heaven is rejoicing with these ones, as do we in Jesus' name. Let's give it up and celebrate for those great people this morning. Great decisions right around the room. And uh, as you reach, as you open to your heart, the Spirit of God will start to move in that in a very powerful way. What you've done might seem little, but it is transformational. Uh, it's eternal in value and it changes not just something but everything it doesn't matter uh, whether it's a recommitment or it's the very first time god will look at you through brand new eyes and say welcome come on home you're back and heaven's excited about it hey let's let's continue to be the church let's keep inviting people into the house of god what if they say no what if they say yes you know like, pray for someone if they don't get healed what if they do you know, that's the whole point. I've just found in my experience more people come after I've invited them. And I feel more people healed after I prayed for them than when I didn't pray for them. So it's not about the result, take the pressure off yourself. It's doing our part, the natural, so God can do the supernatural. And if we're not engaging the world and talking and being there, He has got no vehicle to release the power of His love upon them. The Holy Spirit moves through you and I. Reach out. And you'll watch God do great and mighty things in Jesus' name. Let's give it up for Jesus. Thank you, Pastor Josh. Come on, let's thank Pastor Mark. What an amazing word.